0: A couple of years ago, I had some family visit over Christmas when I lived in a tiny apartment that wouldn't quite accommodate a tree. So I bought a mini tree, a Christmas shrubbery, if you will, from a local Whole Foods. It was potted, so my plan was to water it and eventually plant it in the yard. Now, I'm not very good with plants, so before too long, it died. And I'm not the most tidy person in the world, so I let it sit there for perhaps a bit too long. Around Easter time, sprouts began to come out of the soil. (laughs) I was a busy girl at that time. Sprouts began to come out of the soil around the plant, many of them. I was quite confused by this. I asked myself, where did these sprouts come from? We are inside here, they weren't carried on the wind. Were they in there all along? I asked, how fertile must this soil be? I wonder where Whole Foods gets its soil. (laughs) I wonder what determines how good soil is. Writer, academic, and farmer Wendell Berry writes, the most exemplary nature is that of the topsoil. It is very Christ-like in its passivity and beneficence and in its penetrating energy that issues out of its peaceableness. It increases by experience, by the passage of seasons over it, growth rising out of it and returning to it, not by ambition or aggressiveness. It is enriched by all things that die and enter into it, It keeps the past, not as history or as memory, but as richness, new possibility. Its fertility is always building up out of death into promise. Death is the bridge or the tunnel by which its past enters its future. Topsoil, I came to learn, is the most nutrient rich earth. Where roots of plants can gather the majority of their nourishment. It is also, however, the most fragile. On the surface of the earth, it is the most susceptible to erosion. So often, isn't it that which is the most vulnerable, that is the most life-giving? Now, in our modern, increasingly urban society, compost has become a major supplier of nutrient-rich fertilizer. In this beautiful testament to natural processes, discarded organic matter becomes fertile new life. In his book, Present Moment, Wonderful Moment, Thich Nhat Hanh has this to say about it. Garbage can smell terrible, especially rotting organic matter. But it can also become rich compost for fertilizing the garden. The fragrant rose and the stinking garbage are two sides of the same existence. Without one, the other cannot be. Everything is in transformation. The rose that wilts after six days will become part of that garbage. After six months, the garbage is transformed into a rose. When we speak of impermanence, we understand that everything is in transformation. That this becomes that, and that becomes this. This cycle of organic matter's transformation can be seen throughout creation. In the giant tree that is fed by the dying of its own leaves, and in the letting go of some part of yourself that makes space for your own growth. We are each spiraling around ourselves in this cycle of transformation. Sometimes we let things go willingly because we can see that we are outgrowing them or because we know that that what we will gain will be worth the loss. Sometimes something or someone is ripped from our grasp without any reasonable explanation. However it comes, We are always letting go, or leaving behind, or casting off so many things. And in their place, we are creating the space for the blossoming of our own souls. We are opening up to the excitement and anticipation of new possibilities before us. We are cultivating more life-affirming and life-giving selves. We are being reborn again. I like to think of each day as a chance to begin again anew. Morning has come, we arise and greet the day. There's a freshness to each morning. Yesterday is no longer, here is your chance to start anew. Born again to newness and possibility. But more accurately, each moment gives us this opportunity. Each moment we shake free of something that has held us back and can therefore we, we can therefore get closer to our aspirations. Each breath shows us this truth. Each exhalation brings nutrients to our bodies and each, each exhalation releases toxins. There are seeds all around us. Within us and around us. In her book, Dwellings, A Spiritual History of the Living World, Linda Hogan, a Chickasaw poet and writer, began this section with the title, Seed. There are so many beginnings. In Japan, I recall, there were wildflowers that grew in the far cool region of the mountains. The bricks of Hiroshima, down below, were formed of clay from these mountains. And so, the walls of houses and shops held the dormant trumpet flower seeds. But after one group of humans killed another with the explosive power of life's smallest elements split wide apart, the mountain flowers began to grow. Out of the crumbled, burning buildings, they sprouted. Out of the destruction and bomb heat and the falling walls, the seeds opened up and grew. What a horrible beauty. The world going its own way, growing without us. But perhaps this too speaks of survival, of hope beyond our time. Now in our time at the site of this first nuclear attack, a lush green park dedicated to peace has been built. Within it, there is a grassy knoll, called the Atomic Bomb Memorial Mound, that includes the ashes of 70,000 victims, many of whom were unidentified or unclaimed because their entire family was lost in the attack. In the face of such great loss, a beautiful tribute covered in wildflowers now stands even in massive human tragedy, in brutal, violent deaths, there is the potential for new life to spring forth. It may not ease the pain or lessen the blow. In fact, I don't think it does at all. It does not come anywhere close to reconciling the incredible loss of life. But new life, as Linda Hogan put it, has a horrible beauty a hope beyond our time. Sue Monk Kidd, writer of fiction and spiritual memoir, calls these times when life springs forth from death, Eastering. In her book, When the Heart Waits, she writes, it had never occurred to me to think of Easter as a verb, but it is, isn't it? Easter isn't only a long-ago event, but an action that goes on happening inside us today. I learned that in transformation we mustn't run from the darkness but must rather coax the Easter light with inside it. I learned that we turn the darkness of a tomb into the darkness of a womb by cupping our hands around the pulse of true life and helping it grow. In our moments of darkness, of loss, pain, or death, where, the, where is the most possibility for growth? Those moments when the ways in which we have, been hel- we have held ourselves back are made known to us because we failed to reach a goal or let someone we love down. Those moments when we feel we have lost a cherished part of ourselves when we lose a job, a home, or a loved one. Those moments when we feel the depth of our shame or anguish those moments when violence or heartache rip into us and tear us apart when darkness envelops us and we can't see the way out yes those kinds of destruction those moments of raw terror and sorrow are the most fertile ground our souls could ask for those tombs can be wombs for our own rebirth for a more rich and fulfilling life to emerge from within us. The kind of new life that can spring forth from these moments is truly awe-inspiring. And this life is not new, but waiting inside us until it can be set free. In our own wombs, our true selves are incubating, growing into themselves and bringing us closer to them. And in the dark and dank tombs of our lives, in the richness of our own brokenness, our fertility is abundant. The seeds live within us, just like they lay dormant in the soil of my little Christmas bush, looking for the right moment to crack through the surface and show their beauty to the light of the world. This is the natural way of the world, the continual Death and rebirth of all all creation. Constant transformation. We are all Eastering all the time. Without it, there are no marvelous blooms to stop and joyfully look upon. No fragrances to breathe in. Without it, there is no abundant harvest from which we draw nourishment. Without it, there is no space for our seeds to open themselves. On this day, we celebrate the life that springs forth from the destruction, knowing that it can be bittersweet, knowing what had to be let go of to bring us to this moment, knowing the pain that may still ache with us. And yet, the light has broken through the darkness. Let us bask in that sweet light. We welcome the beauty that is the cycle of life. Life springs forth abundantly this day. We honor the precious gift of each moment's possibilities. What seed within you might blossom today? Are you, how are you nurturing the soil of your own soul? How are you composting your life's Garbage into nutrient rich, life giving topsoil. We embrace the spirit of transformation always moving within, among, and beyond us as we are held by its tender love. We usher forth the life that is about to bud or in the midst of blossoming. By nurturing the growth in our lives, we create a more beautiful world. By celebrating the beauty of all life, we honor all that went into this creation. We pause today in wonder, in awe, soaking up the glorious color of the delicate petals blooming on our hillside. Knowing the effort that it took to cultivate such beauty, and knowing that we have the ability to create more fertile ground, Today, we worship the intricate mystery that is life. And we offer praise to that which is always blooming, being born and reborn again, offering sustenance to each of us each day. We lift our voices in praise of the life that is always within us, the life that springs forth from our beloved community here and helps to save this world that needs renewal so badly. The life that offers hope to all those in despair. The life that is always looking to break out of the tomb. Always looking to awaken again. May it be so. And amen.